Hi, and welcome back to the Teach for the Heart podcast. I'm your host, Linda Cardamus, and we're here to give you the ideas and inspiration you need to overcome your teaching challenges and make a lasting difference in your students' hearts and lives. Today, we're going to discuss 30 powerful classroom management strategies that you can implement right away. I don't know about you, but classroom management, as I've said, (laughs) was a huge struggle for me, especially when I first started out teaching. And to be honest, saying struggle is putting it nicely. (laughs) It may or may not have escalated to the point that I found myself crying in the back hallway because I I just couldn't face my first period class. Thankfully, though, as many of you know, that is not the end of the story. With the help of some amazing mentors, uh, the book The First Day of School, consistent practice, and a huge dose of God's grace, I finally found some strategies that actually worked and eventually turned things around. And, oh my goodness, what a joy it was to finally get to the point where my class was, at least for the most part, (laughs) controlled, focused, on task, and learning effectively. I was able to teach, my students were learning, and it was great. I know that's where you want to be too. I mean, none of us got into teaching because we couldn't wait to deal with classroom management issues. We want to actually teach, to see those light bulbs go off and to make a difference. But in order for that to happen, we have to create a conducive learning environment. And that requires a strong foundation of great classroom management techniques. So what we're going to do today is going to be a little bit different. Instead of diving into one technique in detail, we're going to give a high-level overview of a whole bunch, over 30 strategies that can help you um, better control your classroom and create that conducive learning environment. All of these um, are linked at teachfortheheart.com slash strategies. And most of these have an accompanying podcast or an accompanying blog post that go into them in more detail. So in other words, a lot of these strategies, we've gone into, into detail in more depth at some point on the podcast. Not all of them, but a lot of them we have. Or we have a blog post where we go into them in more detail. And so the point of this this podcast is, you know, if you feel like things haven't been going well, you can listen to all these strategies and kind of pick out, oh, these are the ones that I've been missing, or these are the ones that I really need to go back and firm up, or are things I want to try. And then you can head over to teachfortheheart.com slash strategies and find the blog post or podcast that goes with it and dive into those strategies in more detail. Does that make sense? We also have, of course, our mini course and some of our complete online courses that can also help you if you really want to go deeper and are ready to see some big changes. And we'll mention those too. All right, you ready to dive in? We've kind of broken these up into sections. So first, we're going to discuss classroom management strategies to help you develop the right demeanor. To be an effective teacher and good at classroom management, you have to have the right demeanor. And this boils down to a few main things. Number one, you need to be both kind and firm. So don't get fooled into thinking you have to choose between being nice or being strict. You can be both. And honestly, I would say that you need to be both. So once again, that's the concept. And then we go, we link to the blog post podcast where we go into in more detail at teachfortheheart.com slash strategies. So number one, be both kind and firm. Number two, 
Um, you need to focus on being respected rather than being liked. Now, we all want our students to like us, obviously, right? That's just human nature. But if we make that our goal, we're going to run into some serious classroom management issues. Instead, we need to focus on earning our students' respect and on creating a learning environment where they can learn and grow. And ironically, if we focus on earning respect versus being liked, in the end, a lot of students end up liking our class more than they would if we just try to get them to like us. Number three, see yourself as your student's mentor, not their friend. We all want to be there for our students, right? Supporting them through challenges, giving them the advice they need, making a real difference. But if we think that being their friend is the way to get there, we're going to end up creating more problems than we solve. Because friends don't tell friends what to do or assign consequences, right? That just It just doesn't work. So instead, we need to view ourselves as our student's mentor. That means we're there to help, support, and guide, but there's a clear respect, right? It's not a peer-to-peer relationship. So view yourself as your student's mentor, not their friend. Those are some strategies to help you develop the right demeanor. Next, we're going to talk about strategies that help you put together a good classroom management plan. If you're struggling to keep control, Honestly, one of the biggest mistakes you can make is to walk into class without a plan for how you're going to deal with some of these everyday problems like off-task talking, blurting, disrespect, etc. I mean, believe me, I know from all too sad experience the disaster that will befall if you don't have a plan. Now, there is like a contrast here because once you're really good at classroom management, then, you, you know, it's much easier to just go on the fly, right? Because you have that confidence, you have the skills, you have a whole toolkit of classroom management skills you can pull from. But when you're starting out or when you're struggling, uh, you don't have that toolkit. So if you don't have a plan, at least what happened to me, I didn't have a plan. And so I just kind of froze and didn't really do anything. And it just led to a disaster. So you definitely, uh, if you're struggling, you need a good plan. So here's some ideas for how to create one. The first two ideas are going to be um, some optional strategies you could choose. One is a warning system. So when it came to curbing distractions like talking and blurting, a warning system was a huge help for me. The way it works is that you give individual warnings to students whenever they are talking without permission. This is effective because the warning holds no consequence. It's just a warning, so it's relatively easy to give because uh, you're not actually giving, like I said, a, a consequence of detention, anything like that. But the point of the warning is to help the students notice they're being disruptive, right? You, you gave them a warning, so they're noticing the problem and hopefully self-correct. Nine times out of ten, that's all that's needed. It's problem solved. However, if students do persist in being disruptive after receiving a warning, um, then you do need to have a predetermined consequence that comes next. I go into a lot more detail about this system in another podcast episode and, and, and article. So once again, that's linked at teachfortheheart.com slash strategies. You also might be wondering if a warning system or behavior chart is such a good idea. There's so many different opinions about that. And so we, t- we talk about that question. Uh, once again, it's linked at teachfortheheart.com slash strategies to an article that talks all about that. So one option, number one, is to use a warning system. Another option, number two, is to try out whole brain teaching. 
So Hoping Teaching has so many fabulous ideas, uh, but one of them, one of my favorites, is how they use call and response sayings to, number one, regain students' attention, and number two, reinforce correct behavior. Uh, So for example, if a teacher wants to regain attention, uh, they would say class, and their class has been trained and taught to respond yes, and so it's a quick, easy way to regain attention. Uh, They also use them for rules. So if a student blurts out an answer, um, you call out rule two, and your class responds, rule two, raise your hand for permission to speak. Now, obviously, like I said, this requires a lot of teaching and training up front uh, to get your class to be that responsive. Uh, But if this fits your style and you teach, man, anywhere from lower elementary all the way through middle school especially, uh, sometimes it can even work in high school, but especially those grades, um, it might really be worth it. So once again, we link to an article with more details about whole brain teaching at teachfortheheart.com slash strategies. Number three, regardless of what plan you come up with, uh, you want to plan wise consequences. Now, consequences should only be one small part of your classroom management plan. Consequences alone will not get you where you want to go, but they still play an important role. They also cannot be just completely uh, not a part at all. So the key is to choose wise consequences that make sense and are a good fit for your students and the culture of your school. And we have a list of consequence ideas that you might really find helpful that you can download. You can request that at teachfortheheart.com slash strategies. And that list is great. Even if your principal or your administration um, doesn't really love you to have a lot of consequences, a lot of these are just logical things uh, that just make sense. And so they don't have to be, you know, quote unquote, official consequences. Um, a lot of these are just ideas that can really be helpful for you. So those are a few ideas as you're putting together your plan. If you are overwhelmed by this and you're thinking, man, I would really use some help putting together my plan, um, you can. I would love to have you join us in Classroom Management 101. This is a self-paced online course where we walk you step-by-step through the process of developing and then implementing a strong classroom management plan. So once again, we link to it, um, but you can also head directly to teachfortheheart.com slash CM101 for Classroom Management 101. Those were strategies for putting together a plan. Now let's talk about strategies to execute your plan. So once you have your plan ready, it's time to put it in place. But it's not enough to simply say, okay, this is what we're going to do. Here's some ideas for what to do instead. Number one, it can be a great idea if you're trying to change things mid-year to conduct a classroom shakeup. A classroom shakeup forces a bit of a reset. And what you do is you change something in your classroom, whether it's switching up a routine, a skipping part of your routine, or physically changing something in the room, like removing chairs or uh, you know, removing a pencil sharpener if a pencil sharpener has been problematic or, or whatever it is. The purpose is to grab your students' attention And get them to ask you what's going on. So instead of just standing up and saying, all right, we're going to do things differently, you're trying to show them, not just tell them, that things are going to be different and to really get their attention. Once you have their attention, then you can explain the new procedure or expectation. 
Now, I know that's not quite enough to completely understand the classroom shakeup. We talk about more. We talk. We um, go into more, much more detail about exactly how to execute a successful classroom shakeup in our free classroom management mini course. It's completely free at teachfortheheart.com slash mini course. I really encourage you uh, to sign up for that if you haven't done that yet. Uh, once again, you can also get to it right from the main article. Number two. Teach and practice procedures. So teaching procedures is one of the most important classroom management strategies. It's not enough to simply tell students what to do. You have to invest time into training and practicing. I recommend a four-part process for teaching procedures where you explain, you practice, you correct, and redo. We go into that process. We talk all about that once again in, an, in that free mini course at teachfortheheart.com slash mini course. And then I also link to a uh, podcast and an article where we talk about it more. Once again, that all, all of the links I keep mentioning are at teachfortheheart.com slash strategies. Okay, next category we're going to talk about are strategies to deal with problems that arise. So executing your new classroom management plan is going to help, but it's not going to magically solve every single problem, right? You're still going to need to deal with issues when they arise. So here's some strategies to help with that. Number one, deal with problems while they're still small. So we've all heard the advice, don't sweat the small stuff. And I I do think that that advice has its place, particularly maybe in May, right? In May, don't sweat the small stuff. But that is not good advice when you are trying to start the school year off right, or you're trying to reset your classroom or regain control or teach a new procedure. It just doesn't work. Now, I wish it did. I, I honestly do. I wish we could just let the little things go and everything would be fine. But more often than not, those little problems don't stay little. If you do nothing about them and just let it go, they grow into bigger and bigger problems. I mean, believe me, I've learned this lesson the hard way. And I think the reason that happens, it's it's part of human nature, But it also makes sense because if we have an expectation for our students and students aren't doing that, right? Uh, You know, if the expectation is this is when, you know, this is the level our voices need to be at or there's no talking at this time. And then we allow students to violate that expectation and we don't do anything about it. Like we just say nothing. We figure out it's not a big deal. Then students quickly assume that it doesn't really mean what we, we don't really mean what we say right? Uh, this The expectations that are said are not the real expectations. And so it creates a lot of confusion and um, it, can, it can even turn into some disrespect. So what we need to do is we have to be looking for the first problem and deal with it right away. Now, that doesn't mean you lambast the kid or slap him with a detention for saying one word, but it does mean that we kindly address the issue every time. It could be as simple as reminding them of the correct procedure and asking them to redo it. Uh, It just depends on the situation. But you just need to consistently deal with the small problems. And as you do, students will see you actually mean what you say, and they'll get used to following the class guidelines. Number two, we need to be consistent. Now, believe me, I know it is so hard to be consistent, but Consistency is a huge key to classroom management success. We need to simply decide what we are going to do 
and then actually do it consistently. And if we do miss one time, don't let that derail you. Just determine to get the next one and get back on track as soon as you can. Number three, we need to know when to give grace. Now, I just finished saying consistency is so important, and it absolutely is. But sometimes we do need to break from our plan and give a student grace. The question is, how do we know when to stick to the classroom management plan and when to give a student some grace or mercy? Well, honestly, the biggest key is to always focus on what's best for the student and give grace only when it's what's best for the student, as opposed to, quote unquote, giving grace because it's easiest for us, right? So what we do should always be determined by what is best for the student, not how we feel or whether we want to deal with it or what seems easy in the moment. Uh, We talk more about this in a separate article, uh, Four Questions to Know When to Give Grace as a Teacher. That's once again linked at teachfortheheart.com slash strategies. Those were classroom management strategies to deal with problems that arise. Now let's talk about some strategies to prevent problems. So when we think of classroom management, a lot of times we tend to look for strategies that help us solve specific problems. But the truth is that the best classroom managers are actually phenomenally good at preventing problems from happening in the first place. And that prevention aspect is truly the key to their success. Now, a lot of the strategies that we've already mentioned are going to help you prevent problems. But here's some additional strategies that you don't want to miss. Number one, build rapport. Strong relationships are key to classroom management success. So invest time into getting to know your students and building rapport with them. Be particularly aware of things that can harm your rapport. And we share some of those in another podcast and article that's linked at teachfortheheart.com slash strategies. Number two, have students clear their desk. So rather than allowing students to hide behind a huge pile of books and notebooks on their desk, uh, require them to have out only what they need for the current activity. Everything else should either go inside their desk or under their chair or somewhere else. This procedure is a huge help. Not only does it eliminate distractions and help your students focus, uh, it also makes it easier for you to see what's happening in your class, and it just makes it a whole lot less tempting for students to try to, you know, text or work on something else or do, you know, do something other than focus on exactly what they're supposed to do because they don't have that huge stack of books to hide behind. Number three, keep your students engaged. The more engaged your students are in learning, the less they will cause problems. So let your passion for teaching show through. Make your subject come alive. You also want to remember that the one who is working is the one who is learning. So just lecturing all day is putting your students in a really passive spot. You want to do everything you can to get them involved. Uh, How exactly do you do this? We're going to come back and talk, take a whole section of this podcast a little later and talk all about engagement strategies. So we'll come back to this in a little bit. Number four, be organized. 
Disorganization leads to lulls in your class, which leads to kids getting bored and misbehaving. So you want to plan lessons well, have supplies ready, and just be as organized as possible. If this is a struggle for you, um, maybe just start with thinking, you know, what is one thing that has been particularly problematic or one thing I keep misplacing? And figure out a system to help keep better track of them. We'll deal with a couple more specific organizational strategies later in this podcast. Number five, dress professionally. So whether we like it or not, how we dress does make a difference in how our students perceive us, especially if our students are older. Now, how professionally we need to dress, however, depends on a variety of factors, such as, like I said, the age of our students, how old we are how long we've been teaching, our natural demeanor and authority level, the culture of the school that you're at. It just depends on so many things. Also, what time of year it is. So we talk about those in a separate article, once again, linked at teachfortheheart.com slash strategies. Number six, move around the classroom. So don't get stuck in the front of the room in one spot. You need to feel free to walk around your classroom as you teach. Not only does this provide just some variety, but it also helps you keep a better eye on what students are doing. So for example, if it looks like Greg might be texting, you can walk back towards his desk for a closer look without interrupting class. And finally, number seven, prevent cheating. There is an important balance here. Uh, or maybe rather two pitfalls that we can fall into. One pitfall is to be naive and think that our students won't cheat. Oh, my students wouldn't cheat. But we also don't want to be jaded either and just throw up our hands and say, oh, they're going to cheat. There's nothing I can do anyhow. What we need to do is have the balance right in the middle where we have realistic understanding of the possibility that students are going to try to cheat, and we need to do what we can to prevent cheating and create an environment of academic integrity. Once again, if you hop over to the blog post, we link to a separate article that talks about eight specific ways to prevent cheating. All right, let's go into a new set of strategies. This next set of strategies is about how to engage your students and earn their buy-in. The truth is that we can try to force our students to listen and learn, but we will be so much more effective if we can grab their attention with engaging lessons and activities that make them actually want to learn the material. Here's some specific strategies for how we can do that. Number one, give students more choices. So one way to empower students is to give them more choices. But that shouldn't mean that we abdicate our control of the classroom. Instead, what we want to do is find ways to let students choose between two or three options that are all good choices. So we're not letting them choose between something good and something not good. We're letting them choose between two or three things that are all great, uh, but they get to have an element of control. We have a separate article, and we actually, we just recently did a podcast on it too, uh, with sturdy, with 20 rather student choice ideas that help share control without losing it. Once again, it's linked in the article. Number two, replace worksheets with engaging activities. Worksheets can be a beneficial practice tool, but 
if we can find a way to make the practice more engaging, our students are going to be more focused, more on task, and then causing fewer problems, right? So we just did a podcast episode on this. If you just look back, uh, you'll see it. And it's also linked about seven ideas for how to turn just existing worksheets into engaging activities without taking a lot of time. Number three, add movement. Getting your students moving can help in a variety of ways. So not only are you releasing some of that pent-up energy, but it can also actually help students learn and retain information better because they're making these mind-body connections. Movement can be an intentional break, you know, such as, you know, a go-noodle brain break uh, where people stop or students, you actually have students stop and do stretches But movement can also be incorporated directly into academic activities where you get students up and moving around the classroom rather than always sitting. Number four, get to know your students. The better we understand our students, the more we can engage them. And also, the better we will be at helping them address challenges or issues when they arise. And we just talked about this as well in a recent episode, once again linked in the notes. Number five, we need to show our students that we love them. Now, you wouldn't be here uh, if you didn't care about your students. But do your students know that you love and care about them, we have to show them that we care. And we have a separate article where we talk about some ways to show real love for our students, even when they're frustrating us. And once again, linked at teachfortheheart.com slash strategies. Number six, build relationships with your most challenging students. So the kid that challenges you uh, the most, that challenges your patients the most, is actually the one you need to spend the most time developing a relationship with. Now, this doesn't have to be complicated or take hours of your time. I know you don't have time for that. We share two simple strategies for how to build relationships with your most challenging students in our free five-day classroom management tune-up. And they're strategies you can totally fit into your busy day. So once again, the tune-up, the free, this is a free challenge. It is linked to, once again, the article. But you can also head directly to teachfortheheart.com slash tune-up and get started with that. Number seven, guide students to solve their own problems. When we try to solve all our students' problems for them, the not-so-subtle message they receive is that they aren't capable of dealing with problems on their own. Instead, however, when we empower them to solve their own problems, we unlock a world of of possibilities and release their incredible potential. We actually talk about how to do this in a free preview lesson from our Beyond Classroom Management course. And it's once again linked to in the notes. It's called How to Guide Students to Solve Their Own Problems. So those are a few strategies for how to engage your students. If you want to create this classroom culture where your students are engaged and focused and you want to go way deeper than we could in just these few strategies, I hope you'll consider joining us in Beyond Classroom Management. This is our newest course. 
And in this course, you're going to discover how to get you and your students on the same team, working together to release their incredible potential and accomplish great things. It's linked in the article, or you can head to teachfortheheart.com slash beyond. All right, those are our strategies for engaging students. Next, let's talk about strategies to troubleshoot challenges. So we can't talk about classroom management strategies without addressing some of the common challenges we face as a teacher. So let's dive into these. Number one, what about start of class? It is so important to start off class right because the start of class sets the tone for the entire class or the entire day. Don't let the chaos enter your classroom. Instead, teach your students strong start of class procedures, including an activity to do as they arrive. If you do this right, your students should actually be able to start class by themselves, whether you're there or not. And once again, we link to article with more details and tips for starting off class right. Number two, keep noise down during independent work times. In order for your classroom to run smoothly, students need to learn how to work well independently. And that includes keeping the noise level down so that the rest of the class can concentrate. We have an article and podcast that goes into that in more detail, giving you tips for how to keep the noise level down uh, when students are working by themselves. Number three, create smooth transitions. Transitions can be such a chaotic time, but they don't have to be. Uh, Once again, we have an article and podcast that goes into great detail about how to smooth out your classroom transitions. All these are at teachfortheheart.com slash strategies. Number four, don't let complaining derail you. When you try to rein things in, students are most likely going to complain and argue. I dealt with it. You know, a lot of other teachers write in and say, you know, hey, I I did this and everyone's arguing with me. It's kind of to be expected. But that doesn't mean that you should give up or give in. Uh, we, We link to an article where I talk about specific strategies for handling students' complaints and their not-so-sincere questions, uh, you can find that in the article. Yeah, these are lessons I learned the hard way. Um, Hopefully, you can benefit from me learning them the hard way. Number five, we want to reduce arguments. I remember the day I discovered four magic words that drastically reduced the arguing and the backtalk in my class. And those words were, you're not in trouble. Seriously, they're like magic. (laughs) Um, Tell a student you're not in trouble. It just really helps diffuse the situation. Another key to reducing arguments, just don't argue, ever. (laughs) Simply refusing to argue will drastically reduce the amount of arguments in your room. And we talk about this way more inside or beyond classroom management course. Number six, hold students responsible for classwork. If you have students who just don't do their work, you know that it creates a plethora of problems. So we have another article that goes into 17 ideas to help students actually do their work. Number seven, don't accuse students when you don't know for sure what happened. So sometimes we suspect a student has done something, but we're not quite sure. We might be pretty sure, but it's not for certain. 
that is not the time to lock horns in battle. My former principal called this charging a gray hill, and the problem is that it often results in casualties over something that's not so certain and almost certainly not worth it. So does that mean you just ignore it? No, what you do instead is go ahead and speak truth to the student. Address the issue, it, you know, being honest that you don't know what happened, but basically this is what needs to happen in the future, but reserve any punishment. Then watch that student very closely to see if it happens again. If it doesn't happen again, problem solved. If it does happen again, you will have been watching closely, you will know for sure, and now you will deal with it with appropriate consequences. Number eight, wisely handle defiance. A defiant student can totally disrupt the entire classroom. And navigating the situation can be tricky because you have a responsibility both to the student himself and to the rest of the class as well. But we talk about some ideas for how to stop defiance in a separate article that you can go and check out. Finally, number nine, what do you do if you have a large-sized class? Well, a supersized class can be scary, but it doesn't mean you can't have a great year. In my opinion, the key is to be extra consistent, extra structured, and extra focused. But if you do it right, you can also have a lot of fun too. And so we have an article with classroom management strategies specifically for a supersized class that you can check out. All right, we've got one more section to talk about, and that is some specific strategies to be organized. Organization plays a huge role in successful classroom management, mostly because if you're not organized, it's easy to get flustered, Uh, it's easy, it ends up adding chaos to your classroom, and you also end up creating these laws that students have to fill with something, and we all know that something is typically not so good. So here are some strategies to help you be more organized. Number one, when you set up your classroom, you want to consider the organizational aspect even more than you consider how pretty your classroom is. I mean, it really is easy to spend so much time creating a beautiful classroom that we end up dropping the ball on its functionality. So we have an article with nine practical ideas for setting up your classroom to help with organization and just functionality and effectiveness. Number two, you want to have a good system of tracking missing work. Keeping track of who has and hasn't turned in what can be a nightmare, but if you have a good system, it's not so bad. So we have a separate article that talks about a simple solution to track missing work that you can check out if that's been a problem area for you. Finally, number three, delegate responsibility with meaningful classroom jobs. Whether you teach elementary or secondary, your classroom will run more smoothly if you're not trying to do everything yourself. So get your students involved by delegating more responsibility to them. Ask yourself, what am I currently doing that my students could do instead? And we link to a separate article and blog post, uh, an article and podcast rather, uh, where Angela Watson joins us and goes into great detail about how to give your students meaningful classroom jobs uh, that help your classroom run more efficiently and make things a little easier for you. I hope you found all these classroom management strategies helpful. You know, but the truth is that classroom management is nuanced and unfortunately, You can be doing a lot right, but even one or two missing elements can throw everything off and frustrate your best intentions. 
And that's one of the biggest reasons why I recommend Classroom Management 101. Um, It's our complete organized system that ensures you don't miss any of the crucial elements necessary for successful classroom management. We would love to have you inside that course, and you can get all the details at teachfortheheart.com slash cm101. If you feel like you already have a pretty good handle on classroom management, but you're ready to take it to the next level and really get to that point where your students are engaged, where you're working together, um, and you're all on the same team, then Beyond Classroom Management would be the course for you. And once again, that's at teachfortheheart.com slash beyond. Wow, that was a whole lot of strategies that we went through, and I really hope that you guys found these helpful. Once again, as I've said many times, everything is at teachfortheheart.com slash strategies. And that might be a great page to simply bookmark because all these strategies are compiled in one spot with all the links. And so it's a good page to come back to when you need it. If you haven't taken our mini course or our five-day classroom management tune-up, really hope you'll join us in one of those. I think both of those will be helpful. And of course, the online courses are where the all-in-one solutions are at. If we can help answer any questions or help with anything at all, please don't hesitate to reach out at lynda at teachfortheheart.com. Thank you guys so much for being here. I look forward to speaking with you again soon. In the meantime, keep growing, keep striving. You really are making a difference.